I'm looking at the windshield was shattered and I'm seeing like little bits of glass floating in the air. I can see the sunlight refracting off, refracting off of them. My center console was just like being crumpled into my rib cage and it was like this, like a can of, of Coke just crushing into me. I didn't feel any pain, but I could see that happening. And I'm realizing that I'm dead, like I'm about to die. I, I never, you know, it wasn't like the Ebenezer Scrooge, like, oh dear God, you know, let me live. And I'm gonna mm -hmm. like, the next day I'm gonna be giving presents to, you know, orphan boys or girls. Like I knew I was dead. Mm -hmm. And I began to recount my life. I was thinking about the car, uh, the watch, all the stuff that I was after that I wasn't taking with me, how meaningless it was, uh, how ashamed I was, ashamed that I hadn't really done anything of, of meaning. Um, and I was sad that my life was going to end. Welcome to Do It With Dan, entrepreneurial philanthropist, public speaker and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mengena. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Do It With Dan podcast. I am doing something I don't normally do. I'm here at 7am my time because I had, I had the honor of making this happen. And so I was going to make it happen. I'm here with my buddy, Dr. Richard. We are both members of the One Degree Network. We connect with other awesome humans and uh, brainstorm how we can make the world a better place, basically. Um, it's a cool place to meet cool people. And there are very few cooler than this gentleman. We're going to get into his story. We're going to get into the journey. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting into some food with him when I get up to Atlanta. Dr. Richard, let the people know who you are and what it is you do. First, I, I am really excited that I forced you to actually put on a shirt and get on a microphone before you normally do. So this is really cool. Uh, puts a lot of pressure on me. So um, I'm very excited to be here, Dan. This, this is going to be fun. Uh, so to your question, so I, by my training, I am a clinical psychologist with subspecialties in forensic and neuropsychology. So that's what I did and what my formal training is through a series of life events, uh, I have kind of moved in a different direction, still helping people, but I do it on a global scale. I do it with technology. Uh, you mentioned One Degree Network. I'm heavily involved in that. And you and I uh, also uh, had a wonderful discussion on my podcast, which I'm honored to say is downloaded in over 150 countries. And nice. our goal is to help people become better than they were the day before. And, and we do that by sharing, you know, thought leaders, professional athletes, people who are committed to helping you be become the best version of who you are. So mm. um, we're gonna have a lot of fun. I'm excited, it's awesome, excited to talk awesome, today. Awesome. <clears throat> Let's talk a little bit more about the podcast. It's called Daily Helping. Yeah. Um, where did that come from? Where, what, was the, what was the backdrop behind that? So it's really funny. So I, I'm dating myself here a little bit, but there used to be a show I watched when I was a little kid, like really young, with my dad called In Search Of. So mm -hmm. uh, Leonard Nimoy, the actor who played uh, Spock, Spock in, in old school Star Trek, he was the host of this show. And so mm -hmm. it would be like In Search Of. Mm -hmm aliens in search of the Loch Ness monster, whatever the topic du jour was, it was always something like ex filey kind of. Mm -hmm. And so I came up with the idea of calling my podcast 
the psychology of with Dr. Mm-hmm. Richard Schuster, it would be the psychology of stress or the psychology of anxiety. I would have mm-hmm. obviously run out of topics really quick. Well, <laughs> well, um, yeah, a lot of people don't know this, but Dr. Phil, who is also a psychologist, he did some stuff on his show that violated the code of ethics and he was stripped of his license. He could never, ever practice psychology ever again and not did not know that. That's right. Because, you know, there, there are certain things you're allowed to do and, you know, that you kind of raise your right hand and solemnly swear that I will abide to these code of ethics. And so just to make sure that that didn't happen to me, I, I consulted with the American Psychological Association's lawyers and ran the podcast by them. And they said, you know what? We're going to shut you down so fast. If you do this, your head will spin because the title I was intending to use, they said, was intimating that if they listen to my show, they would get psychological support. Correct. And that's mm-hmm. that's a no, no. So I I uh, had a really dear friend who is a uh, English professor. He came. It was his idea. I, I can't mm-hmm. take credit for it. He came up with the term, the daily helping, which was a double entendre. And the APA was fine with this. And it became, thank God, a personal development show and not just a very narrowly focused clinical show. And mm-hmm. so uh, I started the show five years ago. Uh, you know, one of the missions of the show, because I I understand a little bit of neuroscience and how the brain works is that our mission is to help to get a million people every day to commit acts of kindness and post those in your social media feeds using the hashtag my daily helping. And the reason I did that a little, a little sneakiness is that I know that we're so focused as a society on selfies and our Instagrams and TikToks, right? Mm -hmm. But we're biologically as humans predisposed to feel really good when we help people. A lot of people don't know that. So if if any two people in this audience, if, if we grabbed you and put you in a room and hooked up real-time diagnostic imaging devices to your brains, which we can do, science is really cool. Person A, you gave $1,000 to. Person B gave some random person $1,000. And we looked at what parts of their brains are lighting up. It's exactly the same. And so if we get people to commit acts of kindness every day, that's going to become habituated. And if you are in the habit of doing an act that feels good every day, it raises one's positive emotional spirit. I mean, there's science, but this is not, ooh, this is legit mm-hmm. neuroscience. Uh, the world's a better place, right? If everybody's doing things every day to help other people. So that was kind of the impetus of the show. So it's a win-win. It's win-win. Doing good win-win. It's doing good things. And so, you know, we're five years into this, had over 250 episodes and uh, still going strong and just very grateful for the opportunity uh, to connect with people like you and, and have just amazing people tell their stories on my show. Neuroscience is one of those things, and I'm not going to call names out because I don't want to get sued, but it's one of those things that some people who don't even have a training in neuroscience talk a lot about yeah um the professor who's supporting me with my professional phd he's a neuroscientist we actually interviewed him for our documentary and it was um it was something that he expressed that he was very um peeved off peeved up about um and he was very supportive of me having correct information in Mm -hmm. my my phd proposal and it is continuing to support me in my everyday work 
to ensure that the neuroscientific neuroscientific references that I make are legit and not poppycock. How it strikes me that there's going to be some kind of like double-edged sword of this popularity of neuroscience. How do you feel about what's going on with all of that? A lot like your professor friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> going back to, you know, the Dr. Phil thing. So I, because I, I and though I no longer practice, I have a set of rules and ethical guidelines that I need to adhere to. Mm-hmm. Whereas anybody, you know, you, you could work at a gas station and the next day, if you, if you understand click funnels or, you know, how to, how to make a, a website or have an Instagram account, you can declare yourself, you know, an expert in neuroscience. And, and it is, a, it is a buzzword, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, neuroscience is, is one of these words like masterclass, right? Like, you know, nobody talked about masterclass and then everything was a masterclass, you know, mm-hmm. come learn how to cut your fingernails from Dr. From Dan masterclass, right? <laughs> people do the same thing. They, you know, and when, when I used to many lifetimes ago work uh, as an IT consultant, one of the things that outraged me <laughs> was that, you know, I, I charged back in the day, an hour to go into a corporation and like, you know, evaluate their network infrastructure and, you know, do the things that that IT people do. And invariably, you know, what they would say to me is, well, you know, my buddy's, you know, nephew is a whiz kid and and he charges $30 an hour. So why should I pay you 120? And so it's the same kind of thing. You know, this Mm -hmm. isn't regulated for Mm -hmm. anybody who's outside of the discipline. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very careful about where you source your information from, Mm -hmm. because, you know, there are people that have come up with all kinds of insane titles. I I am a master, you know, success implementation expert. What the hell does Wait, that you, mean, right? You missed, you missed quantum. You missed the quantum. quantum. I should have put a quantum, quantum success. Right? And, and so people come up with these buzzwords and then, the, you know, oh, you know, paid hundred dollars for my course and I'll teach you how to be, you know, the healthiest, fittest you've ever been. Mm-hmm. But, but they're, you know, munching on, you know, McDonald's and, you know, mm-hmm. failed relationships or whatever. So you just have to be really careful now more than ever where you get that information from. And, and it, you know, it just takes a little bit of homework. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I saw the same. So um, my other half was training to be a human design analyst. And I watched, because I was paying for the courses, how many of those courses she was doing and how much time she spent. And she still, after a year and a half, was about halfway through the process of learning all of this stuff and has to go through these examinations before she can move on to the next one and doing her classes and being tested and doing her homework. And then I saw people just popping up. I'm a human design specialist. Like what? (laughs) I've known you a long time and you haven't been doing all of this stuff. And it turned out someone made up something and I'm I'm not throwing shade at anyone because I don't know the ins and outs of it, but someone designed something that they called quantum human design and they were like certifying people in like six weeks or something like that now i know people that 
have done that. And I know that they are doing, you know, really heart-centered good work. They're not money grabbing or whatever. They're trying to help people. But again, the discipline of human design is something that people take years to get accredited in. Correct. Uh, the primary woman who does our, our analysis for our clients, she spent years learning her craft, understanding the thing. So I was really peeved off by that just as a secondhand person. So I can only imagine someone who has gone to school, got a doctorate, gone and got professional training, has an ecosystem where they go and ask permission before they even name their podcast. And then Bob Sally or, I don't know, another person, just sort of go on YouTube, watch a couple of things, listen to some audio books, go to a one funnel away challenge and then, you know. Right. But it's, it's also, grand and I'll change your life. It's also kind of a house of cards. You know, the, the people mm-hmm. who, you know, don't have the training. And that's not to say that you can't learn these things and truly become an expert. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, it, I, I kind of have always had a disdain towards the ivory tower mentality of higher education, particularly mm-hmm. at, a, at a doctoral level. So it's not to say that you can't become mm-hmm. and immerse yourself in research and yeah. you know, really master a topic. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's the guys who just, you know, it's, it's like the uh, the pop up, mm-hmm. you know, thing mm-hmm. in a ball, you know, mm-hmm. there's just it's just shallow. So, you know, but yeah. there are plenty of good people who yeah, know and, what they're doing, think, doing. Good and there work. are people who have got the doctorate that don't know what they're doing for me. That's absolutely true. For me, it's the integrity behind it. And Correct. if I have integrity behind something, I'm going to honor, I'm going to honor something where it came from. Right. You know, and I think, anyway, I just, nothing but respect for those of you who have gone through the training for these different things and are in integrity with what you're sharing and how you want to show up and serve people because it's needed. It's needed in the world. Amen. Um, let's backtrack, you know, to four or five years ago when you left college and. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> when you left college and started, uh, started your journey. Um, take us through that, that story, you know, you, yeah. you, you've got your, you finished college. You said, oh, I'm going to go and get a doctorate and go be Dr. Dr. Richard. It actually was very different. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, I, I have a very clear memory in my last day at undergraduate school at a bar with my friends. Um, we're a bit sauced. And, but I remember holding up, <laughs> holding up the beer saying, uh, here's to never setting foot in a classroom ever again for the rest of my life. So yeah. I had no interest in ever mm-hmm. going to back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did was I, uh, I went into information technology, as I had, mm-hmm. had alluded to. I started a company with two gentlemen and really got lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we bid on a contract with the Department of Defense, had no business winning it. And we did. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, it's like like 23, 24 years old. And we get this email from the DOD, you know, you have been awarded. And, and this this was not billions of dollars, uh, nor was it creating, you know, weapon systems. This was, uh, you know, software for the medical division of the Army. It was just the, mm-hmm. securing a medical record. So it wasn't sexy, but it was a big deal. And, and as a as a young, moderately obnoxious you know, kid in my early twenties, uh, that went to my head very quickly. 
Uh, I was going to be the next Tony Stark. I knew that uh, I would come home and I would get on eBay and I would start researching islands that I was going to name after myself. You can buy an island on eBay. Uh, you know, and, and my entire focus became the acquisition of stuff for the mm-hmm. sake of having stuff. Mm-hmm. And all of that changed one day. It was an ordinary Saturday for me. Uh, I was in a, a car accident in which I broke my spine and, mm-hmm. and nearly died. And so, you know, I'll drop a little neuroscience on your, on your audience here. So there's a phenomenon known as tachypsychia. And what that essentially is, if you think of Neo and the Matrix dodging those bullets when Agent mm-hmm. Smith is firing at him. So, and there's tons of documentation of this. You know, soldiers experience this. Um, what happens is the brain slows down your perception of time to kind of give you a chance to get your bearings and get out, get out of there, right? It's a, mm-hmm. it's a life preservation kind of a system mm-hmm. that's automatic. Tachypsychia. Tachypsychia. And so... Mm-hmm. For me, this this car accident was maybe three seconds. Like uh, a seventeen year old went, you know, speeding through an intersection. He slams into me as I'm in the midst of a left hand turn. My car goes into oncoming traffic, um, and I actually crashed into a telephone pole, which is what stopped my car. So that that whole incident, I call it incident, that whole thing was maybe three seconds. But in that amount of time, Dan, everything was in slow motion and it was so surreal. Like I remember just kind of sitting there, I'm looking at the windshield was shattered and I'm seeing like little bits of glass floating in the air. I can see the sunlight refracting refracting off of them. My center console was just like being crumpled into my rib cage. And it was like this, like a can of of Coke just crushing into me. I didn't feel any pain, but I could see that happening. And I'm realizing that I'm dead. Like I'm about to die. I, I never, you know, it wasn't like the Ebenezer Scrooge, like, Oh dear God, you know, let me live. And I'm going to mm-hmm. like the next day I'm going to be giving presents to, you know, orphan boys or girls. Like I knew I was dead mm-hmm. and I began to recount my life. I was thinking about the car, uh, the watch, all the stuff that I was after that I wasn't taking with me, how meaningless it was, uh, how ashamed I was ashamed that I hadn't really done anything of, of meaning. Um, and I was sad that my life was going to end, you know, surprise. Like I, I didn't die, <laughs> but, um, you know, I did, it, it broke my spine. Uh, I had a very lengthy recovery from that and gave me a lot of time to think. And I I'd love to say like, that was the moment like I like, you know, drew a line in the sand and said from this day for the rest of my life, I'm going to help people. It actually wasn't that way. Uh, I recovered and I went back to work mm-hmm. and, but each day was like this melancholic shade of gray. Uh, and it was miserable. And the more success we had, the more miserable I was. And I just walked away. Um, and I think what kept me there was fear, fear of the unknown, uh, fear of letting people down. I, I told everybody who would listen to me that I was going to be the next Bill Gates. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was going to be it was building an empire. The Schuster empire is unstoppable. And and so I had to publicly acknowledge failure, which is something I'd never, never done before. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but, but, you know, I, it was killing me. I mean, I, I was you know, getting physically ill <laughs> they sent me to an infectious disease specialist because nobody could figure out what was wrong with me why why was i sick why was i this way um and you don't need a doctor to know that i was just you know, 
physically becoming ill because I was so depressed, but I was so unhappy. And so I walked away from that IT company and was kind of in this abyss. This was the lowest I'd ever been. I wasn't suicidal, but I was really depressed. I had no purpose. Uh, I had no idea what I was going to do. And um, I tell people that if Instacart had existed back then, I don't know what my life would be because I had to go to the grocery store. I had no choice. I couldn't Amazon my groceries. I, you know, I, <laughs> so I went to the grocery store one day and I overheard these two women talking about social media and their teenage daughters on social media posting some you know, semi-inappropriate pictures. And I interjected. I, I don't usually butt into people's conversations at the supermarket. It's, mm-hmm. But uh, I said, hey, listen, if you want to protect your kids online and you know, if you want to keep make sure that you know, you're secure and your network isn't hit from scammers, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And I scared the hell out of them, Dan, because they're like, oh, my God, like you have to come and talk to our PTA. And so I did. Right. And I had it was an agenda free. I wasn't trying to sell stuff. It was just me conveying knowledge that I had to help some parents. Mm-hmm. And that was the that that was the spark. That was truly like there was this thing in me that's like, wow, OK, I felt some good for the first time in a really long time. Mm-hmm. And there was this uh, guy in the audience. He was a police officer, actually worked in the city cybercrime unit. And came up and said, hey, you're a really good speaker and, you know, you can do things as a civilian. You could say things as a civilian that we can't, which come, you know, not like I went on the tour like it was a rock band, but (laughs) I was on this like mini speaking circuit with Mm -hmm. these locally. And I was talking to parents and um, it felt really good. Like there it was again. Right. And then at one of these, a a guidance counselor came up to me and said, Hey, you know, would you consider being a mentor? We have a lot of female mentors, but no male mentors. And I said, sure. And I did that because I had nothing else to do. And I loved that. And so that was what really set me back to graduate school. I went and got a master's in social work, Mm -hmm. had success there, and then got the doctorate in psychology. Mm -hmm. And that's, how the journey happened and, and it was so it wasn't like yeah like i'm 23 and let's keep rolling i, I was mm-hmm. so the the idea in my 20s of going to graduate school was, was a horrifying thought to me but <laughs> um grateful that the journey kind of unfolded in the way that it did because now i'm really able to you know help people uh, at scale and mm-hmm. every day feels good every day is fun and, and exciting and rewarding Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for staying alive. Thank you for yeah, you're the matrix moment. Um, when you, when you were in the experience of melancholy, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll call it. That's um, a great description. Was it, Was it something that you saw yourself getting out of, or was it something that you just saw spinning and spinning and spinning deeper and deeper into more and more melancholy? So historically, I've always been optimistic um, to a fault. I, Hmm. yeah. I, I've learned to kind of bring that into a degree. I mean, I would be the guy who would, you know, if I had jumped out of a, a plane without a parachute and you asked me how I was doing, I'm like, awesome, right? Like, no. <laughs> um, you know, there, there's a fine line between optimism and, you know, suicide. 
<laughs> I guess so. Um, I, I was in that space for months. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a very quick transition for me. Uh, I, w- I was very isolated. I had no, I, I had no idea what was going to come. I just knew that I had to make a change. I had to. And I felt as though, you know, my well-being depended on it. I, again, I, there, at no point did I think about, you know, I, I just I just want to die. Like I never mm-hmm. one, once had that thought. But it, hopefully, in, it didn't go that deep. Into it didn't the go that it was, deep. It was, it was, so it was more like meandering in a darker shade of neutral. It was, purgat- it was purgatory. I purgatory. Think was it. Yeah. I mean, mm. like I, I didn't have any idea. You know, it was a lot of uh, self-loathing, thinking about the failures, um, mm-hmm. kind of licking my wounds sort of thing. Um, I had no idea what was next. Like, and, and what was interesting is that a lot of, but but as I was going through this, a lot of people had ideas for me. You know, it's interesting mm-hmm. how our, our peer groups have these ideas, right, based on their expectations. I had some people tell me, oh, you should, you know, you should become a financial planner. That's a great idea. Or, you know, <laughs> you, you should go to medical school or you should go to law school. Like, I don't want to be a lawyer. I don't want to do, yeah. I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to be a I financial to planner, right? Like, <laughs> I, I, so, you know, a lot of people were telling me, oh, do this, do that. And I was like, no, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I know I'm not supposed to do that. And so um, it, it was, in hindsight, a really good place in that it, it, the experience wasn't good. But I'm grateful that I I didn't listen to those external voices from other people forcing me into a career that would have also made me miserable. Mm. And, and I, I think the signs were always there that, you know, I was going to do something kind of along these. I mean, my, my undergraduate degree was in psychology, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so you know, I, I knew that, you know, whatever I did next had to be something that I would enjoy. And, and, you know, I, I found it, you know, whether you believe it was happenstance that I happened to be in that aisle or mm-hmm. that, you know, the universe wanted me to, you know, be look, being in that aisle at the exact moment I was to overhear these, these uh, two moms talking, I don't know, but um, it, it was a, a shift that I needed to make. And, mm-hmm. you know, in hindsight, you know, that, that instance really shifted the whole trajectory of my life because mm. it put me on a different path. I, I, I mm. think I might, I think it, if, if that hadn't happened, I may have just, you know, been chasing the wrong things over and over again until I learned this lesson, right? Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, we're both in the One Degree Network, yeah. as we've shared. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with the One Degree Network, um, Yannick Silver put that together because he believes that we're not really six degrees. We don't have to be six degrees away from the resource, the connection or the relationship that can allow us to bring our impact driven project into the world to make it a better place. It can be one degree if we speak, connect and share what's going on, what our resources are and what we're working on. But there's a spirit of there's a spirit of, of the mystical in in many of the people that I've come to to meet 
through that. We often, I mean, we've had shamans come and lead us in a practice. We've learned about the hummingbird breath and nibbled on cacao before starting our, our sessions. Right. Um, so there's some, there's some woo woo to, to that collective. And yet, you know, you're a neuroscientist, right? You know, <laughs> what's the word? Taco, taco, that, what's the? What's that, the? What, takasychia? Yeah. Takasychia. You know, words <laughs> like takasychia, right? <laughs> you're a doctor, Richard Schuster, not his royal reverend of the spiritual church of, and I just heard you made reference to the word universe, right? Mm, Which yeah. lends itself to the lexicon of someone who's more into spirituality and so on and so forth. And I always find it fascinating when someone who has the science Mm -hmm. speaks in terms of the spirit. And I'd love to just hear what your stance, your context, or your, where are you on that, bro? Where where, where do you sit with that? My general position Mm -hmm. is that we are discovering through quantum physics mm-hmm. what a lot of people historically has to have described as this woo woo mm-hmm. stuff. And, and so I, I think for me, there is a, a healthy balance. Like, you know, I'm as Western trained as Western trained docs get right. Like, yeah. <laughs> but <clears throat> I have an appreciation for Eastern philosophies. And I mean, uh, it's interesting. So when, it, when one of the things that was essential, I would call it a turning point in my physical recovery when I broke my spine was acupuncture. <laughs> when I, when I got the acupuncture initially, I got it not because I believed in it. In fact, I was skeptical, but I was so mm-hmm. desperate because I was so limited and in so much pain you know, if you told me to eat a bag of glass that would help my, you know, pain in my back, I would have, I would have said, give me the glass, give me right. And so I went into that experience quite skeptical. Uh, as it happened, the doctor who performed the acupuncture on me uh, was actually a physician, a Western trained, licensed, board certified physician that left his practice and went overseas for five years to study under a Chinese master and came back and did acupuncture. Hmm. And so he was able to, so I could wrap my mind around just enough that, that <laughs> because he was a doctor and, and he was doing the stuff. And so acupuncture was such a transformative thing for me because it gave me back my life essentially, because, you know, after six weeks of that, my range of motion had returned, my pain had radically decreased. And um, that was one of those, you know, you don't know as much as you think, you know, moments Mm -hmm. as well. And so I think there are things that have been around for thousands of years. And just because, you know, we in the West don't understand them, or that there isn't a insurance code for them that that physicians can bill for, doesn't mean that they're not valid. And mm-hmm. so, you know, as, as science and, and, you know, and I'm not a quantum physicist, right. But mm-hmm. you know, like guys like Neil deGrasse Tyson and people like him are now starting to take these concepts uh, and, and say, okay, Hey, there's actually 
legitimate mm. science behind them. And so law of attraction, you know, and, and energy and all of these things. So I do believe in that stuff. And, and mm-hmm. so it's, it's kind of like this eats East meets West kind East of meets West, for yeah. me personally. But I, I think for anything, like we can't just outright dismiss it just because we don't know it. And again, the same thing, right? Like there are just as many crackpots and lunatics who, you know, like let who, you know, will, you know, take a little piece of, of, of quartz and say, you know, if you buy my course for $700, I'll teach you how to channel the fifth dimension into your <laughs> testicles. And, you know, you'll you know, have a super penis or some, right. So, <laughs> you know, uh, no, no, a super lingam, a super lingam. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so I don't, uh, you know, I don't subscribe to that, but yeah. I, I do think as as we move further with our understanding of that realm, mm-hmm. we're going to see, and there'll be more of a general acceptance that this is legit cool stuff. I, I didn't know that uh, Dr. Tyson was getting into uh, bringing some legitimacy to this. I definitely have to look for a, some podcasty. He's got some really, really cool stuff. Really cool yeah. stuff. Yeah, he's one of those people that strikes me as. I know my shit. I'm not going to rub it in your face, yeah. but you're going to smell it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Him, I don't know him personally, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, he, he seems he seems that way, and mm-hmm. uh, and I, I've always enjoyed his content. Awesome. Uh, anything cool that you're working on right now? Anything especially cool that you're you're cooking up? Yeah, actually, I, I'm really excited about this. Um, this is actually the first time I've talked about it on a podcast. So, yeah, right. Do, 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 do. <laughs> so exclusive. Um, yes. So I am going to be launching an app in the fall Ooh. called called Perfect Stories. And I'm going to give you a little bit of background on this. So um, here's one of your like uh, deep universal kind of things. Peak pandemic. So like November of... 2020-ish, no, November 2019, I think, I had this overwhelming feeling, overwhelming, Mm -hmm. that if I didn't go down to see my father for Thanksgiving, I would never see him alive again. Hmm. It was like, I just woke up one day and I felt this way. And I told my wife and she's like, okay, let's go. Mm -hmm. And so we took all of our COVID tests and we went to Florida, where my dad was living at the time, and my brother was living. We showed up for Thanksgiving. And part of what I do every day is I have this gratitude practice. I have all morning ritual, and as you do. And um, I started writing in my journal all the things I was grateful for. And, and it wasn't like I intentionally set out to do that. That's just kind of what came out of me when I started writing that day. And I I began making this extensive list of all the awesome lessons I learned from my dad and all the things I was grateful for that I never shared with him. And my father and I didn't, it's not like we had this estranged relationship and we hadn't spoken for 20 years. We had a good relationship, but he was also not very touchy feely. And we just never Mm -hmm. had these conversations that morning. I shared everything. I journaled with him to, I just said, dad, I want to tell you some stuff. Mm -hmm. And I told him everything. And it was such a powerful moment. And then uh, three months later, he was gone. Wow. And we, we lost him um, to a, uh, a condition that um, 
basically was destroying his lungs. And there was, there was that's a whole nother story. But mm-hmm. I had that moment. I had that opportunity that so many people don't have with, with the people who mean the most to them to share everything that I wanted to, to let my dad know how I felt about him. And, and that was really special. About a month after that, I found myself in the hospital and uh, I was quite sick and it wasn't COVID. It was something else. And I it was unsure if I, that I was going to, to survive. And I remember sitting there thinking, my kids are, the kids are young, right? And my thoughts were with them. My thoughts were with, what's it going to be like for my kids to, to grow up without my dad? All the things I want to teach my kids that I may never get a chance to do. And, and then, um, then I thought about, you know, then I, again, like I survived. Awesome. Right. I'm still here. Um, but after that, those two experiences were really powerful bookends for me and in, in understanding that there does not exist a, a system that allows people to capture the essence of who they are, the essence of their soul and preserve it for generations. Uh, you know, my, it was interesting. My doctoral research for my dissertation was on the negative impact that technology like Facebook and other, other social media platforms have on our personalities. Mm-hmm. And so with, without going into much detail in that, one of the things about our social media platforms is that uh, we don't trust them. We recognize that they're fake. Um, you know, they're fake because we know that people just go on them and just look at me. I'm on vacation and, you know, Bora Bora. Um, and everybody thinks they're awesome. But what they don't see is uh, that person has a, uh, a terrible relationship and is over their head in debt, you know, and other ways. And so uh, social media kind of mirrors what a phenomenon that started showing up in the early 2000s called the trophy case presentation where you present this external image to the world that is not really based on reality it's more of this idealized self that you'd like to project uh in addition to the fact that social media platforms uh people don't trust them because they're designed to steal your information and sell you sell that to advertisers like you know if you ever find yourself googling peloton for whatever mm-hmm. reason, and you're searching Peloton and you pop you're into your social media, <laughs> you're going to get, you're going to get ads for Peloton on your social media the next time you go on it. And that's a kind of this icky feeling, right? Like somebody's watching you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and social media platforms are also not organized. Social media, if you had important data videos or anything that you put a, uploaded to Facebook, it's like walking into a library that has no categorized no system, system, right? It's mm-hmm. just like, so Uh, I wanted to develop an app that allowed people to capture their perfect stories to share for generations. And we help people who are not so great at expressing their their feelings and emotions, tell their stories, share their stories. Um, We have essentially uh, a series of prompts that walk you through and help pull out that those meaningful things that you really need to convey to people in terms of family history and stories and, uh, you know, relationship advice and everything from that to, you know, secret family recipes and, um, you know, help you preserve that in a safe and secure way just for, for you and your loved ones. And so uh, we're launching that this fall. 
there's a lot of really high profile people involved in helping me promote this that are really think it's a good idea because there's nothing like it on the market. It just, it just Mm -hmm. hasn't been done. And so I'm really excited about that because it's going to allow people to preserve who they are, what makes them tick, the essence of what matters to them, their values, their visions, you know, the lessons that their legacy you can't get that from Facebook, right? And mm. so, and then this will be preserved forever and automatically passed down to, because it'll be able to establish, you know, which relatives, which descendants do you want this passed down to and just exist. And, and until Elon Musk figures out how to download our brains into a computer. I think he's done it already. Yeah, but he, he's, he's, play, he's, he's, he's playing good. with it. But yeah. um, <laughs> th- this is going to be the best way for you know, everybody to preserve who they are. So that's, that's what I'm working on right now. And I, I'm really, really, really excited about it. Awesome source. Awesome source. Well, thank you for doing that. Thank you for bringing that into our worlds. Thank you for uh, giving us the opportunity to be able to keep these memories for our loved ones. Uh, and thank you for uh, sharing also the, really beautiful story of you and your dad. Uh, it's also a testament to the capacity to listen to guidance that doesn't necessarily make sense or that doesn't necessarily uh, have any rhyme and reason to it. And it's just another experience, another example of when you do listen to that voice, when you do listen to that thing that doesn't necessarily make sense, you never know where it can take you or where it can keep you away from. And so Thank you for having that synchronicity, following it, and uh, for the gift that's unfolded on the back of that. I appreciate it and appreciate you. Absolutely. We're hitting time now. Um, are there any closing thoughts that you have for the listeners? Anything that you'd like to share? Any final thoughts that you want to leave them with? You know, I always tell people on my show to, to make a real concerted effort mm-hmm. to go and do something nice for somebody else. So if you're not in the habit of doing this, you know, I, I urge all of you to try this today, you know, mm-hmm. and do this for a stranger. Don't, don't do this for, you know, your, your friends or your family. Go out and just, you know, it might be holding the door for someone. It might mm-hmm. be, you know, like I like to buy people's gas or buy their groceries or just, you know, buy them a cup of coffee or you know, just do something that you wouldn't normally do just slightly outside of your comfort zone that it's just totally about helping somebody else and not expecting anything in return. Mm. And I promise you, you're going to feel really good when you do that. Like biologically, it's impossible for you not to feel good when you do that. And so I would encourage uh, people just to do that and see what that feels like and then do it again mm-hmm. and do it again and do it again. again. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Best place for people to come and find you, hang out with you, find out more about you. We're going to pop a link to my episode on your podcast in the show notes so people can cool. go and grab that. And guys, awesome. make sure you subscribe to the podcast and support it. Um, and let, let, let Dr. Richard know uh, how his work is impacting you and serving you. I appreciate that. And before, before I even share my URLs, uh, and I know you're not going to ask because you're, you're too much of a, a humble person and a gentleman to do this. Dan's got an awesome show. So I'm asking you guys, go out there and, and rate the show. Give him Thank five you. stars because it's important that people find this. 
And the more you give him five stars, the more people are going to find out about his, his platform and the more people get help. So um, do that, please. Thank you. Um, as for me, you can find me, kind of the mothership is drrichardschuster.com. And I dare you to spell it any way that you want, because I bought every possible domain configuration <laughs> of that and points it to, to my name because nobody can spell my name right. But I'll give it to you. It's, it's drrichardschuster.com. S-H-U-S-T-E-R.com. That has yeah. links to my podcast, uh, to some of the other work that I'm doing. Uh, the Perfect Stories isn't up there yet because we are still uh, knee deep in the development cycle. But when that launches this fall, that's going to be there as well. But that's where you can find me, links to the podcast, my charity and everything else that I'm doing. Well, do let us know when the app is live. And what we'll do is we'll update the show notes so people can go directly to that as well i will absolutely yeah yeah we'll get duncan and amy and the guys to update that so guys thank you for tuning in uh till next time go do something nice be a nice human and it help you feel nice uh, keep dreaming with your eyes open remember you can consciously choose a more abundant joyful purpose-driven life bye for now Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Do It With Dan with your host, Daniel McGenna. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit dmpotv.com. We'll catch you on the next episode of Do It With Dan.